This is Daylight Magazine coming to you from Adventist World Radio Ghana, the voice of hope. Today's Daylight Magazine has segments designed with you in mind. Stay tuned and be blessed. topic for today is God leads the way and it can be found in Exodus chapter 13 verses 17 to 22 and I read the people of Israel set off from Egypt with great excitement at last they were free from the Egyptians who had made them work so hard and treated them so harshly now with Moses to lead them They were going to the country God had promised to give them when he had called Abraham to follow him all those hundred years before. But how were they to find the way to the promised land of Cana? All around them was desert. There were no clear paths to follow and no signposts to show the way. God told Moses that they were not to take the shortest route to Cana because there were frontier guards along it. God did not want his people to have to face a battle so soon, after they had begun their journey. He planned to take them by a longer route, and he was going to show them the way. God went ahead of them. There was a column of cloud in front of them in the daytime, and a column of fire at night, to show them that he was there. When the cloud or the fire moved, the people followed where it led. When it stopped still, the Israelites knew that it was time to put up their tents and stay where they were for a while, until the column of fire or cloud began to move again. By day or by night, the people could travel on their way because God was with them guiding them all the time and this is the end of our story for today he is able He is able. Through prayer, the impossibilities of man become the possibilities of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10 verse 27. Matthew chapter 10 verse 27. I read, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Remember, God is indeed able. Anything that is impossible for you is possible for him. And as he has told you, 
Make sure you tell others. God richly bless you. I am Bell Dollar Bill. yourself as we bring to you a continuation of the discussion wills welcome back to your show radio lawyer we are joined by a resource person welcome mr answer thank you Nat. now let's look at another scenario where you know interstate by the fractions that you mentioned uh, some of it would devolve onto personalities other than their surviving spouse or child if there be any but let us fancy the situation where two people, husband and wife, for example, died in circumstances that one cannot tell who predeceased the other. Because one taking the lead would necessarily mean that the other person inherits. How would the law look at a situation like that? Hmm. There is a theory in law that attempts to resolve a situation like that. And there is, we should say, a presumption. Okay. Uh-huh. So whether it occurs in testis succession or mm. in testis succession, mm. when a testator yeah. and a beneficiary mm-hmm. die under a circumstance and one cannot easily tell who died mm. first, first before the other, the presumption in law is that the testator died before, before the, the beneficiary. beneficiary. That presumption then makes it possible for the beneficiary to inherit, though the beneficiary might have died, so that the personal representatives of the estate of the beneficiary can now benefit, can now benefit from the, the estate of the testator. And similar principles are applicable to um, intestate succession law. Mm. If a man and his child mm. died, under a circumstance and one cannot easily tell who died first. Yes. I think the presumption would be that the man died before the child. And especially if the child is, let's say, a parent himself, he has children who can benefit from his estate. That would be a very strong presumption. Presumption, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when we were looking at uh, wills or testit mm-hmm. succession, you walked us through the process where maybe if the testator passes on, the steps that the surviving spouse or persons could take. Now, what happens when the person dies interstate? When a person dies interstate, basically, the relevant family members must agree and nominate people mm. to apply for letters of administration. Okay. Often there are disagreements. Mm. The courts, in line with the modern trends yes. and the posture of the law favors the nuclear family in granting of letters of administration above the customary uh, family okay. because in any case in a situation of intestacy a chunk of the estate mm. now devolves to the nuclear, the nuclear family. family so where there is 
a surviving spouse, mm. there are children, there are parents, the interests of the customary family and all of that are at stake. The court in granting an application for letters of administration would want to ensure that those competing interests mm. are balanced okay. properly in the individuals to whom letters of administration are granted. In fact, if there are minors, mm -hmm. what this means is that children below 18, 18 years, years, you could have situations where a man had had different children with different women. Yes. Whereas some of the children by one woman are already adults. adults yes. Some other children are minors. In that case, even though children are children, a court would want to be sure that the interest of the minors would be catered, would for, be properly. catered for properly. If there are, let's say, children by a different woman and a surviving spouse who didn't have a child, that is a different scenario. But the bottom line is that a court in granting letters of administration would want to ensure that these competing interests are properly catered for. So if there is an understanding, then the family members can put forward individuals to apply for the letters of administration. They must be competent people in the sense that they must not be children, minimum 21 mm. years of age, mm. sufficiently related and trustworthy to perform that task, which is an office of trust. And in some circumstances, the court would require head of family to swear to an affidavit. That's a position I personally disagree with because mm. a head of family can always sabotage the process mm. and undermine surviving spouses and children. But some courts, some judges insist like more, more of a standard procedure. For the head of family? To swear an affidavit and agree that the person's put forward as applicants mm. he agrees and all of that so standard procedure but you would also have to prove that a person is dead normally mm. you prove that by exhibiting showing death, death certificate or burial permit, uh, permit okay. to show that indeed the person we are talking about is dead application is filed we estimate the value of the estate just like Tested succession and some taxes paid, and then the letters of administration is granted. When it is granted, mm -hmm. the administrators must administer the estate according to law, okay, and not anyhow, okay. Uh huh. So it's not as if once you obtain letters of administration, you, do what you, like. you can do what you like. No, okay. you must administer the estate according to the tested succession law. Let me find out one interesting thing. We live in a society where the perception is always that the woman have a right to the estate of a deceased husband. But the vice versa is very rare. I think we touched on this a few weeks ago. Mm. The law is very neutral. Mm. It's gender neutral. We talk about spouse here. And spouse means either a man or a woman. Mm. But I think culturally we have some inhibitions that restrain or constrain a lot of men, men from, from pursuing interest mm -hmm. under the estate of their departed wives. 
people see such men as irresponsible. So some men uh, will shy away from it. Shy away. Okay. And well. it is also possible that our society is still such that men tend to be wealthier than women. Mm. So that situation tend to be more prevalent where women must get something from their deceased husband's estate to take care of their lives. Mm. The reverse may not be that common. Uh-huh. So Let me ask you what probably will be my last question. The interstate succession law, uh, you made us understand, was brought in to cure a certain mischief or to do certain things. I mean, whilst you were going through the various scenarios, you were mentioning 316th, 216th, 1 quarter, 1 8. And I was asking myself, what is 316th of a three-bedroom house? Does the interstate succession law actually address? It doesn't. The interstate succession law solved some problems. Okay. But it brought in its wake another set. Some other problems too. Uh, I'll mention a few of them. Okay. For example, the law treats all children as children. Mm. We didn't get into detail. For example, if a man had only one house yeah. and household chattels, we just simply said that then the surviving spouse and the children take it. Take it, yes. But in many situations, the surviving spouse and children are not necessarily in agreement and at peace with each other. And how to share that in itself could be a subject of bitter litigation, number one. The law doesn't discriminate between the ages and the relative experiences, education, training of the children. So if I am 40 years Mm. old, and I have a brother who is 16 years old, and our father or mother dies. In the sight of the law, yeah. we, we are, are all children. children, and we are entitled to equal share, share. Yeah. of the state. Okay. My 16-year-old uh, younger brother or sister may need more sure. for her education and subsequently I might have already gone been past that gone stage. past that stage. Yes. I mean, you know, in terms of real need, mm. need anything or my and then it is at my discretion to whether to, to whether ask to for something or just let leave it her to take all or i insist on my pound of flesh also you mentioned the unrealistic fractions mm. it leads to fragmentation mm. so if there is two houses even after the first one and we are talking about three sixteenth nine sixteenth one eighth and, and this and that often Either parties have to compromise on their rights mm. or houses and those things have to be sold so, so that the so money, that could money be shared could be in those yes, fractions. Yes, yes. And then maybe because of time, finally, what I would say is that the intensive succession law does not at all recognize the interest of some other persons yeah. who may be very important what to the mean? life of a diseased person. Okay. A person might have being looked after by a servant, somebody from the family, yeah. but not necessarily a, a son. Or, yeah. Yes. Maybe your nephew or your niece served you, served you for the most part of your life. Mm. When your wife and children or husband and children have deserted you, mm. if you died in tested, that niece or nephew is totally cut out, cut out mm. and ignored. Mm. It might be your church. It might be some other institution. Sure. 
that you loved so much or that cared so much to your interest, mm. all of them are totally cut out mm. and not catered for at all. And that is the more reason why if we have opportunity, mm. it's advisable we write a will to indicate how we want our affairs to be managed, managed. than to leave it to chance okay. for the law to okay. manage it. I think you hit the deal right on the head. That's why when we get the opportunity, we should write a will to take care of things and how we would want them to be done. It leads us to the end of our discussion of wills. Uh, God willing, next week we'll move on to another topic. Thank you so very much, Godwill, for sharing your knowledge with us and giving us insight into this very important topic. You just listened to a discussion on the topic wills. A continuation will be brought to you so later. The rain on the For any inquiries or contribution, you can contact us on plus two three three two four four six seven three five two eight or zero two four four two three five zero one seven or email us at radio at vvu.edu.gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana PO Box AF five nine five Adenta Greater Accra Region Ghana. Good news, chariots are coming. Good news, chariots are coming, and I don't want to leave me behind. Well, good news, good news, chariots are coming. Good news, good news, chariots are coming. Good news, good news, chariots are coming, and I don't want to leave me behind. Well, there's a long white robe in the heaven, I know. There's a long white robe in the heaven, I know. There's a long white robe in the heaven, I know, and I don't want to leave me behind. Friend, you are welcome once again to Moment of Truth. I am Pastor Ebenezer Quay, and we are looking at a series, Hope in the Den. Let us pray. Lord, as we continue with this presentation, may you speak to our hearts. Touch my friend, my listener, and let your will be done in his life to find hope even in the midst of hopelessness. In Jesus' name we have prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. We have seen that there can be hope even in the hopeless situation. And God is willing to give you that hope even as you listen to this series. And therefore, in this particular series, captioned or dubbed Hope in the Den, we have seen that the dream of Daniel chapter 7 patterns or parallels the dream of Dan- the dream of Daniel chapter 2. Indeed, this man Daniel was special. He was a great man, and yet we said he had his enemies. As we read in Daniel chapter 2 verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one. 
that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. This king was strategic. He put 120 men, capable men, in charge of the whole empire. And out of this 120, he said three over them, Praise God that Daniel was part of these three. He was preferred above his fellows by King Darius. Daniel was preferred because in him was found an excellent spirit. Because he has distinguished himself above all, Daniel was a great representative of the ideals of God. You have been given great talents and potentials, like I said from the beginning, that you should achieve excellence to the glory of God. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 6 verse 3 and 4 that then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to set to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. What a man! How I wish this could be said about me. How I wish this could be said about you. That people would look at your life and say there is no charge, there is no fault, there is no error, there is, n there is nothing done, there is nothing that could speak ill about you and your God. That is why we can continue to study and find principles that will guide our lives to live like Daniel. We live in a generation which has become so perverse that one can hardly find any righteous person. But God is counting on you. God is counting on me that even in this generation, we can stand faithful for him to be counted as excellent without fault and without blame. Friend, there is hope for us today. The God of Daniel is the God I present to you today. He who has made Daniel righteous, he can make you righteous also. A man by name Duke of Wellington, he said, Education without morality creates clever devils. Yes, indeed, our world today is craving for more knowledge. Academia is certain for people who are just intellectualists. But God is also interested in moralists. He wants people who can combine academic excellence with spiritual excellence. A life of fulfillment must be a life which is balanced. God is looking for people. God is not looking for only intellectuals. He is looking for people who will combine academic excellence with spiritual and moral excellence, just like the man Daniel. That is why I present to you Christ Jesus today. He can transform your life to give you that excellence intellectually and also give you that moral and spiritual excellence. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 5 to 9, they said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against the law of his God. So they thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All of us have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for thirty days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing 
so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the maids and patients, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. My friend, yes, you may be clean and pure, and yet people will not understand you, and therefore they will stand against you. Daniel was excellent. He was excellent in all things, and yet some people stood against him. But I tell you, I want to encourage you that the people who want to pull you down, the people who will want to pull you down, God will put them in their own, their own plots and their own pits. Daniel didn't give up. The Bible says in verse 10 of Daniel 6, that now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Daniel knew everything about the loss of Persia. He knew that the loss of Persia can't be altered. He put his potent faith, his trust in God cannot be taken away from him. His prayer cannot be changed by a decree of any earthly king. They found him praying and making supplications to God. They reported to the king. The king tried to set Daniel free, but could not speak against the law. Daniel was cast into the lion's den. My friend, what you cannot do in the time of peace, you cannot do it in time of trouble. The Bible says, Daniel was a man who was accustomed to pray three times a day. That is what the Bible says in Psalm 55 verse 17, that evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. As you pray today, even in the midst of your situation, may God hear you. May he come to your rescue. May he give you hope in the midst of hopelessness. Continue listening and you'll be a blessing. I am Pastor Ebenezer Quay, and this is Moment of Truth. May you be blessed as you continue listening. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you very much for staying with us. Once again, you can reach us on plus 233-244-673528 or 244 235 017 or email us at radio at vvu.edu.gh or through the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana PO Box AF595. Adenta Greater Accra Region, Ghana. We will expect your feedback. I believe today's magazine has been a blessing. May the good Lord's hand be in your life. Amen. Remember to tune in same time tomorrow. Bye for now. <laughs>